Hello, and welcome back to It's a Neuro Day with Natanya Ray. You may hear crickets in the background in this episode because I'm recording this in the evening. It's a warm October night, and I've got the windows open, so there's a whole autumn symphony going on. I hope it's not distracting. Uh, Let me know in the comments in this episode if the crickets were too much and I will remedy the situation, of course, by going outside and asking them all to hush just while I record. But (laughs) anyway, jokes aside, that's the last joke for this episode. That's not true. And let's dig into our topic for today. Ever wonder if you, parent, are neurodiverse? Today, we're talking about our own exploration as parents in neurodiversity. So your kid is on the spectrum, or has ADHD, or is in some other way connected to the neurodiverse community. But what about you? Often, there's so much focus on supporting our child, all the appointments, assessments, the meetings, the meds, blah, 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 blah. We're so focused on getting everything set up for our kiddo that we don't even think about ourselves. I know you're, you're lucky if you've showered and had actual meals today and no cramming a cold burrito left over from yesterday in your mouth as you stand over the sink doesn't count, but thanks for asking. And no, I'm not speaking from experience. So you're doggy paddling, as am I, to get everything and everyone taken care of in your family. You're so busy doing this that you have not had a moment to think about you. Well, this is that moment right now. So maybe you've wondered if you might be on the spectrum, but you haven't gotten past it being just a fleeting thought. You haven't really had time or energy or brain space to take that curiosity any further. We need a lot of space in order to be curious. We need to not be in survival mode to have the breathing room to be curious. And side note, shameless plug, if you are in survival mode right now, I get it and I'm with you in solidarity. Go back and listen to season one, episodes two and three about getting support and simplifying your life. And I hope there's something helpful there for you. So let's get back into it. In this moment, right now, you and me, we have a minute to wonder. The place I started wondering was my own sensory profile. I think many parents become more aware of sensory needs or sometimes called a sensory diet. So when you have a neurodiverse kid, you are likely confronted with things your kid gravitates toward and things your kid moves away from or tries to block out. And I'm talking sensory inputs. So we're talking sounds, smells, textures, movement, tastes, light, etc. So you are likely an expert 
on what your kid will and will not eat, whether your kid will plug their ears at a loud sound, if you've got a kid who craves movement and can jump on the trampoline for hours, or a kid who loves crunchy, salty snacks. If it's sensory related, you've got it down. And some of those things you may relate to. You might go, huh, my kid just had a meltdown at that holiday festival from all the lights and the noisy crowds. And you know what? I feel like getting the heck out of there too. It was too claustrophobic and overwhelming. By the way, this kind of questioning, of course, is not a diagnostic tool. You can have preferences without necessarily being on the spectrum of having ADHD. Everyone, neurotypical and neurodiverse, will have sensory preferences. But scientific research tells us that autism and ADHD are hereditary. So if my kid is neurodiverse, there's a high likelihood that I am as well. And just knowing their diagnosis helps me work toward being better informed on how to support them. So logically, um, knowing my uniqueness, my sensory preferences, and possibly my own diagnosis could help me navigate life too. So what are your sensory preferences? Have you ever given it any thought? Do you need crunchy foods when you're stressed? Are you distracted by sounds? Like when you're trying to follow a conversation, but your mind drifts to the song playing in the restaurant? Do fluorescent lights hurt your eyes? Does your body have to be in motion all the time? like shaking your leg, tapping your pen, or swaying side to side while standing? Do you love a hot drink in your hand or a cold drink pressed to your cheek? Do you have to cut every tag out of your clothing because it irritates your skin? I think that's a common one. Again, none of these necessarily mean you're on the spectrum. But getting curious about our own sensory preferences can help in two ways. One, we start to see that our kids aren't the only ones with sensory preferences. And two, it is the tip of the iceberg to becoming more aware of how we move in the world. So much of what we do on a daily basis is habit and routine. We go about our day on autopilot. That can be very comforting, but we can also get stuck and continue to do things that aren't really working for us anymore. That's how I see getting a diagnosis or realizing we are neurodiverse as a parent. All of a sudden, we see ourselves more clearly. We see our needs more clearly, and we start to see wiggle room to create change. I'll give you an example, a very personal example. I recently had a friend tell me she thought I might have ADHD. It was something she recognized in me partly because she has ADHD herself and saw similarities in me. 
That is not to say, of course, that every person with ADHD is the same, but she saw something familiar in me. So I got very curious. That initial conversation with my friend started me on a path to learning more about ADHD in women, the signs, the struggles, the gifts. What I realized is that there were some areas in which I had been struggling more than others, which I knew on some level, but it was shrouded in mystery for me for years. Actually, I thought those struggles that I had were personal failings. Isn't that sad? I blamed myself for years at my inability to be on time, forgetting plans or appointments, and my need for variety, which meant I often changed jobs and even fields when I got antsy or bored. So I had thought, what is wrong with me? Why can't I stick with a career like normal people? I'm doing air quotes here. I know it's very problematic language there, normal people. But I'm being real here, and that was my thinking then. Why does it seem so easy for everyone else? Am I just not motivated enough? Not serious enough? Am I just irresponsible or immature? A lot of critical self-talk, guys. On and on and on. Until, wait a second, all these things are linked to ADHD. Finding this out was a blessing because I could address some of the challenges in my life and I could stop blaming myself. So what did I do? Just a few a few of the minor changes I made made a big difference for me. I got a special planner, one that breaks down the month, the week, and the day in 15-minute increments. Too much detail for some, I know, but just right for me. It gave me a visual of my day so I could better plan how all the appointments and to-dos fit together in a 24-hour period, like a puzzle. I also bought four clocks, four, I should say, additional clocks for my home. And my mom laughed at me about this when she came over. But hey, they help me track time a little better, something that can be really tricky for people with ADHD. And they help me get places on time more often. So that's just one example of the changes, very small changes that I made to make my days run smoother and such a simple fix. It really took me understanding that I have ADHD to help my days run smoother. Learning about my ADHD also helps me better understand the kiddos and families I work with with ADHD. And I can connect with and seek out resources from the ADHD community. There are many people talking about their lived experiences with ADHD, and there's so much information out there that I can relate to. And it really gives me a sense that I am not alone.
And I want to be totally real here that it was not all sunshine and rainbows, this journey. At first, I was really sad to know that I had struggled more in my day-to-day experience than my friends. I felt sorry for myself that I had had it hard for so long and had just tried to muscle my way through. Um, There was some grief for me in the early days around that, that I still haven't sorted through completely or don't have a complete picture of, but I'm working through it. And overall, right now, I can say I'm at the point where I'm glad to know. And it's been so helpful to me in making changes that serve me better. And I'm still on this journey. It's an ever unfolding journey. And last, but certainly not least, I don't want to leave this episode without mentioning how creative and innovative people with ADHD often are. ADHD is associated with enhanced creativity and innovative thinking. And this is the exact focus of some really interesting scientific research out there now. So get curious about you. Don't avoid taking a closer look and lean into the possibility that you might also be neurodiverse. If you have a negative association with being on the spectrum or having ADHD or being in some other sense neurodivergent, I don't blame you because that is the predominant message out there. So maybe Take a listen to the previous episode, season one, episode eight, on how we think about our neurodiverse child and why it matters to re-examine that narrative that being neurodiverse is negative. The truth is we are each one of us unique. We are each one of us worthy of wellness in mind, body, and spirit. And we all have the right to live full and meaningful lives. So what will you uncover about your uniqueness today? Thank you for joining me. I will meet you back here next time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please click follow rate the podcast, and share with someone you think might like it too.